Fantastic. Well, it's a new year, and uh, I have no doubt that there is parts of you that you think would be good to have as a new you as we move into a new year. This morning, I'm going to look at a guy who for 38 years was looking for change. 38 long years, believing for something, hoping for something, looking for something, and it never came. You've got to give the guy credit, I guess. Eh? For 38 years, he kept looking and looking and believing and believing and hoping and hoping. But all of his belief and all of his hope and all of his looking was in vain. We're going to find out in a moment why it was in vain. This man found what he was looking for, unlike Bono. Uh, he found what he was looking for. <laughs> uh, although for 38 years, no doubt he sung, I still haven't found it. But he, finally, he found it. And, uh, and maybe this morning, um, you can find it if you learn the lesson that he learned in this incredible moment of time we tend to get locked into a mindset that becomes really our greatest nemesis Uh, i'm going to pick the story up um, from john chapter 5 and uh, let's dig into it and see what we can find so sometimes late sometime later jesus went up to jerusalem uh, for one of the jewish festivals now near near uh, now there is in jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in the aramaic is called bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. That's important. We'll come back to that in a moment. Five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man in particular was there, and he's been invalid for 38 years. There's our man. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 38 years is a long time, He asked him this ridiculous question. It's almost an insulting question. I think you'll agree with me. Do you want to get well? Well, what do you think I'm sitting here for, you idiot? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you want to get well? My goodness. What a bizarre scene this is. Here you have Jesus, the personification of healing, in this place that's surrounded by sickness. And it's funny, isn't it, that all these sick people with their eyes on the water and here is the one who can heal them and no one's looking to him. In fact, he's stepping over them. They could have touched the hem of his garment. You know what that would do, right? I mean, they could have said, hey, Rabbi, touch me, heal me. Nobody says a word. And, and, And the funny thing is, Jesus doesn't touch any of them either until he gets to this one particular guy who's been in this place now for 38 years. And he asks him this bizarre question. Do you want to get well? Now, that's the, it seems to me, it would seem to you, I imagine, like an obvious question. Do you want to get well? Well, what do you think? Duh. Of course I want to get well. What you need to understand is when God asks a question that seems you know, ridiculously obvious. There's something not obvious going on. And that's what I'm going to dig into in these next few moments. The not obvious, but what the point that Jesus is making, because he's making a profound life-changing point that if you can grasp this morning, can change just about any aspect of your life. Do you want to get well? Do you want to change? is the question that Jesus is asking this particular person and in so doing, he's asking you. In so doing, he's asking me. This was a fabled place, this pool of Bethesda, just to give you some some of the background. 
there was there was there was legend that someone got healed here once, but nobody knows who. Um, nobody knows what they had, and, and nobody knows where they are. But when you're sick, how many know that fable and legend and rumor, and dare I even say superstition and religion will do? Uh, many people come um, to church or have a religion that's not much more than a superstition. And this was not much more than superstition. Uh, there, there are those who say it was set up, and uh, we might hear more about that later, but whether or not it was set up or whether or not it was just, it, it was just fable, there, there, was, uh, there was no, however, substance to it. This man's paralysis, I will suggest to you, was the least of his problem. He was paralyzed relationally, emotionally, intellectually, mentally, circumstantially. But Jesus is teaching us a lesson here. He says to him, do you want to get well? And what does he say in response? He doesn't say no. He doesn't say yes. He explains the system. He says, well, do you want to get well? Well, well you've got to either an angel stirs the waters and someone who's, who, who gets into the water first, they're healed. And unfortunately for me, uh, I've got no one here to help me, so I can't get into the waters first, so I can't get healed. And, and, and he gives this, this elongated answer which pinpoints the problem. Do you see the problem? The problem is, folks, that we all systematize our disabilities. Let me explain this. You and I systematize our disabilities. You know, we all have blind spots. And this guy, he was, he, he was, he was suffering in this blind spot. He couldn't even understand the, the, the predicament that he was in. He couldn't say, yes, I want to get well. He said, it's complicated. You might think it's simple. You might think it's easy. But you've got to understand, Jesus, it's complicated. It's not just as simple as me saying yes. My, my situation's really bad. It's not my fault either. I, there's no one to help me and, and things are hard. You know something? You're going to learn this morning. The change in your life is so much simpler than you believe. So much simpler then you've been led to understand. But we all do what this man did. We all highly organize our disabilities. And, 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 and there's a, the thing's rigged. The system's rigged. He can't get healed there. It's rigged against him. But, but there's an offer. You know, it's, it's gonna be better. It's gonna be better. And, and this, is, this happens all the time, you know. People, and I don't, I'm not having a go at anybody here, but people buy lotto tickets every week, week in, week out. And when they hear that somebody nearby has won, you know, this news agent sold the winning lotto ticket, they say, oh, there's hope for me. And they continue to buy the lotto ticket. But the truth is, lotto tickets don't work. The system is rigged against you. And it's not just the lotto system I'm talking about. I'm talking about the system of life. Life is rigged against you. The system of this world is rigged against you. And what's so sad is that it's just like the pool of Bethesda in the sense that it offers you something, but it never delivers. It says, you just keep coming. You keep coming. There's a chance for you. There's a chance for you. Keep believing. Keep hanging in there. But hope deferred makes the heart sick. At the end of the day, there's nothing for you. There's nothing for you. There's nothing for this man here in Bethesda. But what happens 
is that he has systematized his disability. He doesn't even realize it. And, 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 and what we do is we systematize our fear. I, I've got a system around my fear so I never have to face my fear. I've set this up and that up and put that in place so I never even have to see my fear. And in our Western culture, we have so much going our way that we can do this. We never have to deal with so many of the disabilities of our life. We systematize our unforgiveness. I can set this up so I never see that person. I never have to talk to that person. I never have to deal with that person. I, I'm, I'm going to set it up so I'm, I'm entrenched here. I'm comfortable here. I've systematized my disability so I don't have to deal with my regret, my guilt, my shame. I don't have to deal with my financial mismanagement. I don't have to deal with the drama of my life. And so many people, they live in one drama to another, to another. You talk to them and, and, and it's like, but it's complicated. You don't understand how complicated my life is. Why there's this and that and this and that. And there's no one here to help me and things are bad. And, uh, things are, and it's like, Jesus, it's just, it's just asked you a simple yes or no question. <laughs> Do you want to get better? But he's got this system around his disability, which we all tend to do but not only is it systematized it's culturally supported see imagine spending all day with sick people and all you are is preoccupied with your condition preoccupied with your disability preoccupied with your treatment 40 years this bloke's almost 40 years he's been 38 years he's been there he would have seen people die no doubt he would have spoken with people with similar um, conditions as he is in and you know what happens, don't you? you? You get to a point where you surround yourself, misery loves company. You surround yourself with people who accept your disability because they have a disability just like you. Water finds its own level. And so we can complain about our parents because your parents mistreated you and my parents mistreated me. So we get together, we whinge about how bad our fathers were or how bad our mothers were or how bad our husbands were or how bad our wives were. And we, we culturally support our disability by the people we allow into our lives. And you can't tell me that lying uh, on a mat for 38 years, you can't tell me that that doesn't affect your, uh, not just your physiology, but it affects your psychology. Uh, and, and, and this guy's now, he's surrounded by sick people and I'm not talking about if you're a medical professional and you can leave that at work and go home. Neither am I talking about somebody who is genuinely sick. And although I know, man, if you're sick, you get sick and tired of talking about it. Sick and tired of you know having to research on Google and and, uh, and tell all your relatives and you just want to get over it. But there are some people who have become so accustomed to being sick so accustomed to their disability and it might not be a physical sickness but you're so accustomed to your stuckness so accustomed to what you have that the people in your world don't challenge you because they're the same as you you've, couch, you've culturally supported your condition you've systematized it so you don't have to worry too much about it and I mentioned the five covered colonnades and you might not know what they are it's not necessarily something we talk much about but basically they're quite a quite an amazing design of ancient uh, times um, they provide shade but they also provide 
plenty of opportunities for, for the breeze, no matter which way the wind is coming. And, and so they're, they're like olden day air conditioning, if you will. Um, and it's where in ancient times business was transacted. It's where in ancient times people gathered for, uh, you know, for, just for relational and, and, and social gatherings. And so what we have here is, is we have a, a comfortable place. And so it's not just um, supported by the system and then reinforced by the, by the culture. <laughs> it's now, um, it, it's now has some kind of, uh, of structural support. The structure now says, stay here as long as you're like under the beautiful shade of the colonnades. You are okay here. You are safe here. We have a system, a, a culture, uh, and a structure support system. Is it any wonder that we are where we are at? That's where this guy was at. I wonder how many of you are here this morning. And, and the truth is, many of us can't even realize what I've just said. He would not have known that. But then Jesus comes in. Did you know that churches... Um, organizations, companies, businesses get, get stuck and, and they've, created, they've created policies and, and, and they've created systems to support their stuckness, to support where they're at. They can never go forward because of the system they've created around their world and, and they fade into irrelevancy, not unlike Kodak, they fade into irrelevancy where they no longer really are the cutting edge of the market. And the reason they're not at the cutting edge of the market is because the systems, the culture, and the structure is ancient and hasn't changed with the times. And, and, and it happens not just to companies, and it happens not just to churches. This, it happens to people. It happens to you, and it happens to me. And, and we can't see it because of our blind spots, and we carry disabilities. You know, I've got to tell you, and I don't want you to, to, to think for one minute that I'm against praying for people, but I reckon sometimes we pray for people who actually want to keep their sickness. They, they, they've, they've systematized it. They've, they've culturally reinforced it. They've structured their life for it, and it's who they are. And they think they want to get better, but deep down inside, they're comfortable with what they have. And you know what we need here? I'll tell you what we need. Whoever watched Popeye the Sailor Man? Whoever, hands up if you saw Popeye. Because you are oh, good, oh, good. Okay, most of you know. Remember Popeye's, uh, I can't stand it no more. Remember that? <laughs> right? The spinach moment, right? <laughs> A Popeye spinach moment. You've you got to get to this point. You've got to get to this For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, you've got to get to a point where you say to yourself, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of this. This ends here. No more. I ain't taking this into 2018. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is not, for law, not to look for anything big. It's small things. For most people, large change comes from small things. You, you know, when you're stuck, right? When, when you've systematized and you've reinforced and you've struck, you've done all that, um, it takes great courage to do a small thing. For some of you in this room, just to get out of bed on time in the morning is a courageous thing to do. <laughs> now, for some of you, you think, oh, that's stupid, that's silly. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you think. 
What matters is what your experience is. For, for, for some of you, you know, no, no, getting on time to church takes great courage. <laughs> you got to get all your kids up. You got to get them all dressed. And God bless you for being here. Well done. You know, uh, because you don't know. Uh, I don't know what you go through to get here. You know, I just got to get myself dressed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> But for some of you mothers, you've got to dress four or five children and you've got to be here by nine o'clock. And that's, that's some of you got to, and you know, that's, that's a courageous thing to do. And, and what I'm simply saying is that we, we tend to kind of um, define courage as some heroic act. But the truth is, courage for you might be something that's simplistic to me. But just because it's simple to me doesn't mean I should in any way um, demean your courageous steps. So you know for some of you this is going to mean? I'll tell you what. If you're sick and tired of your particular, that particular area of your life, for some of you, you've got to be rude <laughs> and misunderstood. And so that's it. I'm not involving myself in that family chat anymore. I'm not getting involved at that mealtime discussion with my family because I don't want that affecting me. I don't talk like that. I'm going to break through that mindset. I'm going to break through that level. I don't want to be a part of that game. And it's very hard because it's culturally supported by the people who are very close to you, your relatives. And I'm not saying that you don't love them. What I am saying is that you may have to remove yourself from certain kinds of ways that they talk and communicate. How many know that Abraham had to leave his father's house? Joseph had to be taken away from his brothers. Sometimes you've got to move away from something to get what God has got for you. See, this man's miracle was not at Bethesda. This man's miracle was getting out of Bethesda. And maybe you just got to get out. Get out of bed for some of you. Stop pushing snooze on the, you know, on the, on the alarm clock or whatever and get up. For some of you, you've got to put on your, on your sand shoes and go for a walk. Best thing you could do. For some of you, you've got to say no to certain things that have become part and parcel, almost like comfort blankets to your life. But it's like, you know, I, I heard a story the other day about an astronaut that left the uh, Earth's atmosphere into outer space. And outer space, he grew three and a half inches. So if you'd like to be taller, uh, there you go. Become an astronaut. Um, I have no desire <laughs> to be any taller. But anyway, um, uh, because the, the pressure on his spine was no longer there and he grew. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like what we need is this fresh kind of thinking, this, this zero gravity thinking. And Jesus turns up to this, this guy who's been lying there for 38 years with this zero gravity thinking. And, and he says to the man, take up your bed and walk. And just imagine how much courage that took, that moment. Because isn't this what we do? Don't you get, haven't you ever had a sense of, no, that's not right, I shouldn't do this. Or, or you know, I, I walk past the, whatever it is, I walk past the gym and I get the sense of, oh, I should, I should, I should, no. And, and, and you, you get this sense of what you should do, but then you think about it for like five or six seconds and your mind talks you out of it. How many of you have had an inkling, just a, a, like a thought from nowhere about that you should do something, and then you've spent the next five minutes thinking about it and your mind has talked you out of what you were just told to do. What you've got to do is just do it, right? Five, four, three, two, one, blast off and get out of bed. 
Five, four, three, two, one, blast off and have that conversation with that person. Just do it. Just do it. I've got to tell you, it's going to be a whole lot easier than you think it is. It's going to be a whole lot simpler than you have created in your mind for it to be. You just have to step into that. I I, I want to suggest that, that for this man to step up out of that mat took incredible courage. Jesus said, stand up, get your mat, go. And, and he, could have, he could have said, well, I can't do that. I'm lame. He could have gone back into the whole excuse thing again. But in just that moment, and, and frankly, folks, I reckon all you've got is that moment. I reckon that's all you've got. Because if you don't do it in that moment, you talk yourself out of it. If you don't do it in that moment, it's gone. You've got that moment. Pick up your bed. Stand up. Uh, up he gets. You've got the moment to operate in. If you don't seize the moment, you'll talk yourself out of it every time. You're hardwired to, to, to maintain the status quo. You are hardwired to maintain the status quo. You're hardwired to just keep the same old, same old, same old, same old. You've got to work against it. You've got to work in that spirit realm and that intuition. In that, Once you go into the, starting to think it through and, well, what about this and what about that? You can guarantee yourself it isn't going to happen. This man performs a great courageous act. He steps up for a man who's been lying for 38 years. My goodness. There's almost a sense, and I don't know this, of course. There's almost a sense of like he could have done this at any time. There's almost a sense of this was so much easier than you ever thought it would be. He just got up. It's like he'd been waiting there. He'd been sold a pup. He'd been sold a lie. No angel was going to stir the waters. No one was ever going to get healed. Jesus is there and no one can see the water because everyone's crowded around it, hoping that one day, one moment, it's going to stir. And yet the answer is right there. And you know something? The answer for you is right here this morning. I don't know if you're you're a Christian here this morning. Maybe you're not a Christian. Can I really encourage you, if you feel this morning in just a moment, you know, I I should give my life to Jesus. You think about that for too long, you won't do it. You've got to move on that intuition. You've got to learn to move on that, that fleeting thought that comes out of left field. Yeah, no, that's right. I should do that. And if you don't, you're done. But if you do, I want you to see what happened to this man next, right? Because this is what will happen to you. So, so you need to understand this. You need to see and read the rest of the, uh, the passage here. So he gets up and he walks. And so the Jewish leader, he, he's walking and the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. <laughs> Law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said, get up your mat, take your mat and walk. So they asked him, who was this fellow who told you to pick, up, to pick it up and walk? Uh, the man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Isn't that cool, eh? So he had no idea. Later, Jesus found him. This is, this is, let, me, let me stop there and make a comment about that. You get out of one system, another system is going to try to get you. He gets out of the Bethesda system and he comes into the religious system. And the religious system says, you can't carry him, mat. You can't do that. You shouldn't be doing this. Oh, no, that's right. I can't. I need to put my mat down and lie back down. <laughs> I'm going to take the miracle from you. I'm going to put you back where you've come from. You need to understand when you come out of a system, there's another system waiting to push you back where you were. 
This guy comes out of the Bethesda system, the system of, of, of stuckness, of, of sickness, and he hits the religious system that was going to push him back into the system that he was before. And you need to know if you're sick and tired of sick and tired and you're going to stand up and you're going to take a move out with great courage, don't be surprised that you hit another system. Don't be surprised that he says, you can't do this. And it pushes you back the, 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 uh, the way you were before. But Jesus sees him later. You've got to get this. Jesus sees him later. And, and, and he says this. He says, uh, see you all well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. He says, well, isn't that bizarre? Stop sinning, O oh man, who's been lying in public on his back for 38 years. <laughs> what could have he been doing? <laughs> what kind of sin was he performing on his back, surrounded by people for the last 38 years? Think about your sins. I mean, don't think about your sins. <laughs> think about your husband's sins or whatever. You know? <laughs> think about uh, how many of those sins happen, you know, in church while you're sitting there, you know? <laughs> Not a lot, right? I mean, I mean, you know, what was he doing wrong for 38 years? <laughs> I mean, you can't do much wrong in public lying on your back, can you? I mean, he was hardly floating around all the women in town. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was hardly getting drunk and gambling and whatever and swindling people and lying and cheating. He's been lying there doing nothing for 38 years and Jesus says, stop sinning. Could it be that the greatest sin is surrendering your freedom to a system, to a culture, and or a structure that steals your life from you, that promises you something. Come into me and you'll get joy. Come into me and you'll look cool. Come into me and you'll have satisfaction. Come into me and everything will be okay. And you think to yourself, you know something? I think that's right. And I surrender myself to that particular thing and I lose my freedom. Wow. Could that be one of the greatest sins of all? Surrendering who you are to something that promises you hope but does nothing but steal your freedom. Stop sinning or something worse will come upon you. Think what a crazy thing to say to a bloke who's been 38 years on his back like that. Unless what I just said is the fact. You know... Um, It was a cold December evening in 1955 when this particular lady hopped onto the bus after work to go home and cook uh, dinner for her family, her husband and her children. And she'd done this particular action hundreds, if not thousands of times. Every night after work, on the bus, home, off the bus, cook. Feed kids, feed husband, go to bigger, repeat. It's done hundreds of times, thousands of times. This particular time, on the bus, on the way home, she was a, uh, uh, a Negro lady. And back in 1955, the buses were, in America were segregated. And you could sit, you know, the, the, uh, the Negro people could sit from halfway to the end and the white people in the, the front half of the bus. And, she was sitting on the, uh, where, in her correct place 
uh, on the front row of the, the Negro section. And um, <clears throat> on that particular day, there was a lot of white people on the bus. And the bus driver says to her, um, excuse me, can you move, please? Uh, I, I'm going to need that row. And something struck her. There was no premeditation. There was no plan. There was no money. There was no meeting. There was no gathering. Uh, it was just a moment. And she said, no. <laughs> and he said, excuse me, I'm telling, I'm the bus driver, I'm telling you to move. If you don't move, I'll call the police. And out of the blue, this woman was going home to cook for her family. She's not a, you know, she's not somebody who's advocating for civil rights. But something possessed her. And she said, then phone the police because I'm not shifting. <laughs> Her name was Rosa Parks. And because of that moment, segregation as an official policy within the United States came crashing down. But what I find so compelling about it is that there was no committee meetings to discuss it. There was no financing of this new um, cause, you know, to, to end segregation in the United States of America. There was one woman who in one moment of time had this intuition, this feeling, I can't stand it no more, right? She had her Popeye moment. That's it. I'm done. No, this is opposed to my values system. I heard her in an interview and she said, I thought about it after, I thought, what was I thinking? <laughs> she said, uh, emotionally, I was scared to bits. I'm a housewife. I'm a mother. I've got to get home and get food on the oven. You know, I don't have time for a political fight. <laughs> and yet what happens? Many of you would no doubt be aware. History changed because this woman in one moment ignored her feelings lent into her values, that instinct, that sense of I've had enough and said, I ain't moving. And I wonder, I wonder what moments you could have. I wonder what moment there is for you. I, I'd love to tell you, oh, but you know, let's, let's talk about it. Let's whiteboard it. Let's, let's brainstorm it. Let's come up with some ideas. Let's get a committee happening. Let's do this, that, and the other thing. And you know what? Nothing will happen. You have got to be tuned into that inner sense of now when that moment comes for you. And the more you think about it, the less you're likely to do about it. The more you think about it, the more you lie there and go, but no, you don't understand. I've been on this for 38 years. You don't understand. I come from a, a long line of disabled people. My mother was disabled and my grandmother was disabled. Of course I'm disabled. I can't get up. Who do you think you are? Stop being so rude and asking me to do things that I can't do. But you know that you should and you know that you can. My, my encouragement to you is Nike 1-1. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Just, you know, if you have to count down, five, four, three, two, one, boom. Get up and do it. And get yourself off Facebook if that's what you've got to do. <laughs> or get, get yourself out of that situation. Or turn that particular, uh, uh, that particular thing off in your life because you know that it's doing you no good. 
No, I believe in 2018, there is a time for a new you. The question is, are you prepared to get up and have a go? We're going to bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you today for your spirit that comes to us in these moments to lead us and, and to guide us and to direct us. And Lord, I believe right now, even as we speak, you're in this room. Right now, Lord, there are people in this room who are stuck in jobs that are killing them. Lord, there are people in this room that, are, that, are, that, that, that know that there's something more, but they're, they're locked into a mindset and they're locked into a lifestyle. They're stuck where they are. And they're sick and tired of sick and tired. They're sick and tired of this current position. And this morning, Lord, as, as I've been speaking, you've been speaking to them. And they know what they have to do. Father God, I pray, empower them now to go and do it. Encourage them now to go and do it. In Jesus' name. Just, just while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And uh, look, if you're here this morning and you know what that thing is I'll tell you what it is it's the, you've, got to, you've got to surrender your life to Jesus maybe you've been mucking around and sort of you know there's a bit of the tip of the hat to God you kind of know there's a God but you've never really surrendered your life to Him or you've sort of partially surrendered your life to Him or maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Him but this morning that's what you need to do and you know it deep down in your heart you know it the more you think about it the more you talk yourself out of it so if I can go back to that that intuition if I can go back to that spirit thing where you know that's what you need to do, then I'm going to ask you to right now have the courage of your convictions. And this might take incredible courage for one or two of you, incredible courage. But you say to me this morning, John, I need to give my life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, why don't you take your right hand up, hold up nice and high and go, yeah, that's me. I'm going to pray for you this morning if that's you. It would be an honor to do so. If you're in this room this morning, you say, hey, that's what I've got to do. That's my step. That's my calling. That's what God's put upon my life. If that's you, give me a wave. I'm going to pray for you. If not, I'm going to ask us all to stand. Let's all stand. Father, I know there are many people in this room who are stuck. Help us, I pray, to get up out of that place and move to what you have for us. In 2018, I pray.